lost this amount of health. Can you guys No, wait, there's a... Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Okay. All right. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And welcome back to the Realist live stream in the dunya. We are joined again with the man himself, Sheikh Uthman, the man that started this entire mess. <laughs> no, no, no. How you doing, Sheikh? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. I'm good. All right. Guys, we got we to gotta give a quick disclaimer. Rami, by the way, we got to do a mic check, right? I did a, I did my own mic check. Can you guys? You didn't mic check, that? guys. Can you guys hear us? Can you hear Fayed and, and Sheikh? Let us know. Let I us can know. hear you. Alhamdulillah. You can hear us, Rami. Someone's saying the louder. Chat. I can increase. I can increase the volume here. They want to hear Chris, bro. 
the other one here, please. Mashallah. They're going to want to hear this one. Oh, yeah. They're definitely going to want to hear this one. Listen, I want to give a quick disclaimer right now. This is not an enticement of violence, harassment, bullying, uh, threats. We don't want to hear out that, you know, because of you guys, we did this to Don or we sent him this message. We don't want to get any of this smoke. Listen, the reality is we sent him a message. We sent him a DM. It was a very kind, cordial DM, right? We, we offered him to come on this stream with us, have a conversation like human beings. But instead, he didn't read the message. Don, if you're watching this, we just have a question for you. You've been going on streams on your channel every single day. People are, are messaging us. They send me the link. I click on it. You have a title that doesn't have anything to do with Islam. So it shows you started the stream with the intention of talking about something. And then eventually you start talking bad about Islam. You start talking crap. And then two hours later, it's deleted. Like, I don't understand this, bro. Like, if you're going to say it, why are you deleting it? You know, but unfortunately, you had you had to, you know, ask for this smoke. So Khutman is going to deliver today, inshallah. Look, before we even start, I just want to say we want good for you, Don, in case you watch this or somebody sent you the clip. But we want good for you. Uh, we want you to be guided towards the truth. We want you to follow what is truth. And we we feel that you are sincere in the fact that you do want to find the truth. But maybe the way you're going about it is incorrect. Instead of having a discussion face to face, instead of talking it through, just making streams and watching Islamophobes. By the way, all those people that you watched and you talk about watching, I've already debated them face to face. And you can go watch those debates on the One Message Foundation, Foundation channel. You can now. see how they, they fell apart. apart. I got a... I think got a little uh, sound. But anyway, so so if you if you really want to know the truth, we're, we're, we're inviting you right now. Jump on. Even if you want to come in during the, half the show and we'll have a civil conversation with evidences, with references that you can look up, bring your references. If you want to bring any of your little friends, Apis or Mr. Hammer Time or any of them, bring them. We're right here, live, bring it. Um, just in case, you know, there's no misinterpretation, how you can get back to us is just go on your phone, find the DM thread, the message that we sent you at the three Muslims and just reach out. We'll make it happen, bro. We don't want any excuses after this. But without further ado, Rami, why don't you uh, play the first clip? Bismillah. All right. And by the way, guys, for anyone wondering, Daniel Hakikachu will be on the stream, inshallah, within an hour. Inshallah, inshallah. Let me just, while I get this up, give the viewers a short break just so I can pull it up here. Sure. In the meantime, I want to say to Don very respectfully, um, I understand that it might be difficult uh, being a new, you know, revert to a or convert to a religion, uh, but to retire into an echo chamber after not being able to answer certain questions about your religion is not something that promotes, um, you know, intellectual growth, and it's not something that's going to help you get closer to the truth. Uh, if anything, it's going to push you farther away because if you can't deal with it, it's most likely because. Um, you know, there is no logical answer to it. Sorry, guys. Google. I just want to say also, mm -hmm. if you want to discuss it offline, we can have a conversation offline. We're not trying to get views off this. Um, you know, we just we want the truth to stand out. And inshallah, today it will. Inshallah. 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 All right. So I'm just pulling it up. It's completely now. shifted my attitude. Toward guys, I'm going to say this again. Right. We are not 
enticing any type of threats harassment physical harm anything like that so listen when you watch these videos you you will get heated there is no doubt you're gonna get heated you're gonna feel some type of way just like us but don't use your emotions and let them control you and then go sending him threats or anything like that listen this is just an academic refutation he's gonna spew nonsense so we gotta check him now 100 percent 100 percent Yeah, by the way guys this is our first time streaming so please bear with us like any technical difficulties anything you see brother rami is doing his best make dua for him may allah bless him and Amen. allow this to be a learning curve and us to master this inshallah Allahumma amin. i think this is the best way for me to uh to do it here alhamdulillah and then make this full screen and there we go Towards Islam. Before I just thought this is a false religion. Now I'm like, oh no, this is a tool of Satan. This is a tool of Satan and the people. Sorry, Sheikh. You said you can't hear it. Yeah, I can't hear it either, oh. bro. All right. Shaitan's working overtime to give us technical okay. difficulties today. I can, bro. I, it's okay. <laughs> I'll I'll do it. Uh, do it like this. One second. At least, at least that's how you guys know it's live. It's like 1220. We're like, <laughs> you know, 20 minutes past. But inshallah, it'll be fixed yeah. right now. All right. Were you guys able? I guess there wasn't a video playing the first time I shared my screen. Mm. No. Let me let me try one more time. Bismillah. Who are following it are unknowingly nope. soldiers of the dead. No. It's a shame. It's not funny what he's saying right now. All right. All right. Just, just tell us what he said and start. Bismillah. So, uh, first thing he said is uh, Muslims are... No, 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 bro. You're not going to play it? I'm, I'm going to figure it out. But while I'm figuring it out, we'll just get okay, started okay. on the points that he's making. So, the first thing he says in the clip is that uh, Muslims are unknowingly foot soldiers of the devil. <laughs> That's funny. So that's a funny thing because you know if you look at uh, islam the amount of refutation we have for the devil in islamic text is far outnumbered uh or far far outnumbers any other religious text i mean if you look at uh for example the jewish text or if you look at the christian text new testament old testament look at us every time we even begin the recitation of the quran we begin with a'udhu billahi minash rajim right Every time we begin to pray, we begin with We seek refuge with Allah from the cursed and, and devil. And every time we look at anything, waswas, any temptation, we say The amount of uh, any refutations we have against the devil in Islamic text, we won't find anywhere else. You know, So that was funny when you hear comments like that. And you're like, where would you get that from? You know? Alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah. In Islam, we give da'wah, we call towards the truth. And the truth of the worship of the one creator. None but one. We don't worship the devil. We don't worship prophets. We don't worship saints. We worship none but Allah. How can that ever be working for the devil? When you're working against the, the, the core of what the devil wants you to do. You know? So that's always a weird statement people make. And you're like, how did you think that through? You know? Yo, Rami, Rami, Rami. Yeah. 
um i got a i got a message yeah let me see i got a message saying that they could have heard it and then i played it back on youtube and they could hear it only when me and you and Sheikh couldn't hear it apparently they could hear it so it's fine okay someone said share the actual chrome not the whole screen so let me try that devil mm. yeah. of the highest degree right his strong some of his strongest foot soldiers and could you hear or no i couldn't couldn't damn that's tough apparently and maybe the people can yeah i think people the, can. Maybe. the people will be able to want to pull it on the the screen um only thing is i think it's a, a bug with people Discord. are saying share share window not not screen but well, i mean i just tried both yeah yeah so, everyone's saying they can hear it bro just do it then yeah i know the people can oh, hear it. it's just you guys that can unfortunately do it i'll 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 tell chef what happens anyway it's completely shifted my attitude towards islam before i just thought this is a false religion now i'm like oh no this is a tool of satan this is a tool of satan and the people who are following it are unknowingly soldiers of the devil mm of the highest degree, right? His strong, some of his strongest foot soldiers. And so it completely changed the attitude and energy I would have going forward to any time I'm discussing. I would look at them as like, oh no, you are, you're possessed by a demon. I, there's no, now I'm not going, I'm still going to try and portray the Christian values, right? Mm -hmm. Mercy, forgiveness, love, you know, but I'm not going to give it the same kind of room and, and courtesies that I would have given to, let's say, a Christian that I'm disagreeing with on a particular thing. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, man, that, that really has like, and it, it really hardened my heart towards Muslims. I have strong negative feelings against Islam. I see it now as like, oh, God made a religion. It's Christianity. The devil made a religion. It's called Islam. Mm. That's how I see it now. <laughs> and um, I feel bad for anybody who, you know, this doesn't know any better between the true religion. <laughs> All right. I don't know if you guys were able to hear any of that. I could. I they, they heard everything, bro. Because I was, right. I was playing it. Sheikh, you could or you couldn't? I couldn't, but that's fine. Okay. So, yeah. He said that Muslims that are following it are unknowingly soldiers of the devil. And some of okay. Satan's biggest, highest foot soldiers are Muslims. <laughs> Stuck for Allah. Okay. That's just childish. I mean, uh, I don't know. You know, love to get him on here to see what that means. Because if you look at distortion of religious texts, this is the work of Christians, right? If you look at the distortion of Christian practices, for example, if you look at Christmas, like where did you get Christmas from? This was a satanic uh, pagan ritual. And, and, you know, Saturnalia, the worship of a pagan uh, god, and they brought it into Christianity. Today, Young Don included, they celebrate Christmas. They give out gifts. They have Christmas trees. They have Santa Claus coming down chimneys. Nothing to do with Isa ibn Maryam. According to the majority of biblical scholars, Jesus was born in the summer. So, you know, 25th of December is clearly not in Christianity. If you look at Halloween, practice a lot of Christians celebrate Halloween, satanic roots. If you look at all these other practices that we see today, from birthdays onwards, you find that they all have pagan roots. And this is something that Muslims don't celebrate, but we see Christians celebrating. Um, with the bunny and Easter, all this stuff is all innovation. So, so really, if you talk about the devilish changing of the true message, 
then I'm not sure how you can even talk about Muslims. Alhamdulillah, as Muslims, we stick to the Quran, we stick to the authentic ahadith, the, the authentically established things and actions of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. And we stick to the true message. We still worship the way the, the Prophet showed us to worship. So, yeah, I don't know. And when you, I mean, when you look at Christianity, like, uh, let's look what predates Christianity. Let's look at Judaism. Let's look at, you know, the Torah. What was Satan's mission? Satan's mission was to get them to worship other than God himself. That's mm. why when they yeah. crossed the Red Sea and God saved them from Pharaoh and Pharaoh, they made the golden calf and they worshipped it. Obviously, they were rebuked for that. In the Quran, at least, Moses was very mad at them for that when he got back and saw that. So if you look at Satan's mission from the Old Testament, his goal is to get you to worship other than God. When you get to Christianity, you see Jesus who worshipped God, who obeyed the Mosaic law. And after he passes away, 300 years later, by the way, comes the indoctrination of the Trinity that we have today. Co-equal, co-eternal persons within the Trinity. Jesus, fully God, fully man, yeah. all that stuff. And they end up worshiping a man. So would you say that Jesus, um, or sorry, would you say that Satan failed in his mission to get people to worship other than God when you guys are now worshiping not just the, the Father, which we would say is, no, is God, no problem, but the yeah. Son, a man, and the Holy Spirit as well, which we would say is the angel Gabriel. Yeah. And now you see that Islam came with the same message that Jesus originally had, which we could talk about later. Which religion is more in line and which religion is farther from what God has sent previously? Mm. Look at the Ten Commandments. I mean, first, first commandment is, Hear, O Israel, your Lord is one, not three. Uh, second commandment, don't worship graven idols. And you look at any church you're going to and you see idols, you see statues of Jesus. Catholics, you'll see statues of everything else from saints to Mary to everybody else. So, for sure, the devil's deception is there in Christianity today. And like I said, I mean, even if you look at the day-to-day -day practices, celebrations, Christmas, none of that's from the Bible itself. Just none of that is from God. None of that is from Revelation. That's all innovations based on devilish deceit, um, you know, things that came from paganism. But 100%. 100%. And uh, these are the tough questions, Don, that you have to address. You know, you said you don't have to defend the Bible. You're acting as if you don't have to defend your beliefs and you're allowed to presuppose them. That's not true. If I were to claim anything in the world, no matter what it is, you would want me to substantiate it for you. Especially, like if I came to you and said, oh, we have salvation in Islam. You would ask me, and you did ask, to substantiate that on the live. And by the way, when Sheikh Uthman yep. did, you took your headphones off so you couldn't even hear. And you got back and you got mad about the fact <laughs> that it wasn't answered. Habibi, you took your headphones off. But you have to substantiate your claims <laughs> and you have to defend your beliefs. Shall we move on to the next yep. clip? Let's go. Yeah, I'm ready, bro. All right. Bismillah. Christianity and Islam, which is a devil. And you can see it in the behaviors after the fact. If I went on that stream and I had talked with all those Muslims and, you know, and I didn't know anything about Islam. I didn't know that the prophet Muhammad, the person who invented the religion, raped a nine-year-old girl. This is a fact. Mm -hmm. He married a girl at six years old and then consummated the marriage at nine. That is rape. Anybody that wants to try and tell me that a nine-year-old girl can have consensual mm -hmm. sex with a 53-year-old man, you're sick. Mm -hmm. Or they're just so deluded. And the reason why it doesn't phase the average Muslim when you bring that up to them is because Jesus is not in their heart. It's because the Holy Spirit, God, is not in their heart to strengthen that morale. How do you hear this? 
and try to look past it or rationalize that the man, the the Quran. See, I learned a lot about Islam after the fact. You know what I mean? What what people like after the call? After, after the, the call, yeah, because I went into it looking, thinking that I was about to learn about Islam, mm -hmm. but in them, you know, coming for me, I had to now go and learn about it on my own terms. He, deceivers, right? There, he has like. Okay, so, firstly, somebody. Yo. Yeah, Yo, up? can I can I reiterate that so Chef knows what we're even talking about? Yeah, but before before we, before we get there, yeah. I, somebody in the chat said that when I share my screen, you guys should click on the the window that I'm sharing. So do you want to try that quickly just to see if you can hear? Sure, I don't mind. I tried it before. All right, let's move yeah, me too. Go one more time. Ninety nine. Okay. Um, no, but no sound. Old man, bro. you're sick. There's mm -hmm. no sound, or they're just so yeah. deluded. No sound. Okay, no worries, no worries. Okay. So yeah, right. inshallah, just uh, summarize it. Bismillah. So Sheikh, he said that the first thing that I found troublesome that I want us to address, he said that the person that invented the religion, so he called the Prophet the inventor of Islam. This is something I found noteworthy and interesting. We can address this. He said, I didn't know that the person who invented the religion married and then raped a nine-year-old, right? Um, that's, again, we can talk about that. Um, he said most of, if I remember the third last point, he said most of the people that are following it aren't phased by it because they don't have Jesus' spirit within them, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So these three we can... Bismillah. Gotcha. First thing, alhamdulillah, wa salatu salamu ala rasulillah. Islam was not started by the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, peace and blessings be upon him. And that's why it's something unique, because if you look at Christianity, the word Christian is named after what? Christ. Right. Christ. So before Jesus, who's called Christ, there's no such thing as Christianity. You can't have it because it's named after Christ. Judaism after Judah, Buddhism after Buddha, Confucianism after Confucius. Those are differences between religions and ideologies and all that, but those are all based after somebody by name. Alhamdulillah, Islam is unique in that, that it's not named. We're not Muhammadan. We are Muslim. We are those that submit our will to our Creator. And that means Islam has been the religion since the time of Adam salam, to the time of Adam till the Day of Judgment. So this is not something that was started or invented or began with the Prophet Muhammad. Peace and blessings be upon him. All of the prophets, they submitted their will, they prayed, they worshipped, as we find in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, to that one great creator. So we believe that all of them were Muslim. We believe Jesus was a Muslim. We believe that Abraham was a Muslim, Moses was a Muslim. Why? Because the definition of the word Muslim is from the word Aslama, the one who submits their will. So that's the first thing that we need to correct. Secondly, when you talk about rape, I don't know where the idea of rape came from, but let's talk about marriage. And let's talk about the age of Aisha radiallahu anha. And I have a standalone video on this as well. If people want to watch, they can watch for more details. What's your channel, by but the way? Regarding the, it's the One Message Foundation. One uh, Message Foundation, and, guys. Links in the description. Inshallah. And, you know, there was a part of the Sira, the life of the Prophet, peace be upon him, that's, and we gave a lot of references in that as well. But I'm going to give a little bit, and then I'm going to get into Judeo-Christian traditions about the age of marriage. And, and young Don, if you see this, somebody clips and sends this to you, I hope you're going to be fair and honest and, and open enough that when I give the references from the Bible, you're going to go and look them up 
And if you're going to make any kind of accusations against Islam and the Prophet of Islam, the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, then I hope that you will make the same exact words against other traditions when I bring them up. Otherwise, your sincerity will be, will be, will be known to everybody. Now, the age of Aisha, when we talk about this, we know the first thing that we'll have to discuss. It is not a creedal issue. Right? And this is for Muslims to understand as well. It's not about aqidah. This is not about our belief system. Right? Because earlier, when I talked about the differences in ages in the Bible, Young Don and others were like, well, that doesn't have anything to do with the belief. Right? It's funny that now they bring something like this up, which is not a creedal issue. Whether Aisha was whatever age she may have been, it does not affect the Islamic belief. Secondly, it is not mentioned in the Qur'an. There is no ayah in the Qur'an that discusses the age of Aisha when she was married. Thirdly, it is not mentioned by the Prophet and what we call a marfu' hadith. Hadith that the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, tells us something. That these are both from revelation, from wahi, Qur'an, and what the Prophet brought in the sunnah. But the Prophet Muhammad never discussed the age of Aisha at her time of her marriage. We do have what we call mawquf. Mawquf literally meaning stopped. And mawquf is a type of hadith where a sahabi, a companion, makes a statement. It's not in the Quran. It's not on the lisan of the Prophet It is not something the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, told us. But Aisha in a sahih hadith, an authentic hadith. And again, I want to clarify, I'm not doubting anything in Al-Bukhari. Uh, some people misunderstood a lot of my statements because their brains don't work, I guess. Uh, I, I'm not denying the hadith at all, right? But Aisha says that she was betrothed or given in marriage at the age of six and married at nine. And there's a hadith in Sahih Muslim where she mentions she, she was betrothed at the age of seven and married at nine. And then we have other weaker narrations from the historians discussing her death date and the reports from her sister Asma that put her at different ages. Putting that together, this is not rewriting hadith or rewriting the, 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 the narrative. Early scholars like Imam al-Nabawi, in his Sharh of Sahih Muslim, he discusses the difference between the numbers, meaning whether it was six or seven at the time of engagement, and he discusses possibilities why different numbers were given. So again, it's not like me sitting here and today trying to rewrite this to please somebody. No. Muslim historians have had a discussion about this age. And I want also everybody to understand this doesn't affect fiqh. We don't take rulings from this. Rather, if you look at books like Al-Mughni or Al-Majmu'ah of Al-Nabwi, Al-Mughni of Al-Qudama, the age of marriage has to do with physical and mental maturity. And different people reach that at different times. And different signs, even blue understanding uh, whether it's having to do with the period or age, uh, there is discussions about when somebody can get married. And the essence of that in fiqh is that when they're physically and, in, and apart from that, mentally ready for marriage. So having said all this, because I'm making this clear, because when I give references later, they might be like, oh, this is in the Bible or this. Understand, this is not something in the Quran. And this is not something the Prophet ﷺ told us about. Aisha, when she gives her about her age, and I have no doubt that she made those statements. I don't doubt her precision, she's an excellent narrator of hadith, or those books of hadith. But the fact that in two sahih hadith, one in Muslim and one in Bukhari, she gives two different ages, shows that this is not something that was accurately known at the time. Not that 
her reporting is not accurate. Her reporting is excellent. But none of us are mentally present at the time of birth. None of us notice, hey, you're born. And you're like, hey, I'm born today. What's the time? What's the date, right? If we ask anyone here when you were born, you're going to look at a birth certificate. You're going to look at your passport. You're going to go ask your mom. You don't remember, right? So you're basically taking information from other sources. And if those sources have some ambiguity, then you're going to pass that on. Arabs had no calendar. Understand this. That the Arabs had no calendar. I don't mean that they didn't have lunar or solar. I mean, they had no calendar. Basically, they would have events like Amal Fil, the year when Abraha attacked Mecca with the elephant. And they would kind of give it a name from an event or a drought or a flood or a lot of rain. And they would give it a name. And they would try to map ages from that. And that's why, not just discussing Aisha, even Khatija, the first wife of the Prophet, who, by the way, as long as he was married to, he didn't marry any other woman. Uh, she passed away, and then he married other women after that. But until she was alive, she was his only wife. Even her age disputed. I mean, there are reports from Al-Waqidi that mentioned that she was 40 at the time of her marriage. And we know Waqidi is weak in narrations. So the, uh, in Bidawi Nihaya, we mentioned that Ibn Kathir says that he was, she was closer to 25 to 28. Why? Because again, the Arabs were not concerned about recording your birth date. Most of the early scholars also, we know their death dates. We don't know their birth dates for the early scholars of Islam and the Sahaba and so on. Some of them, we have ideas because if they have major uh, events that happened that year, like the year of the field, Amal field of the elephant, with the year that the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, was born, then because of that major event, we know. But if people are born in years where there weren't major events, then it's very hard to know their exact age. What we can say about Aisha, that her age was appropriate for the time for marriage. And how do we know that? That she was already engaged to Jubair ibn Mut'im before she was even engaged. I'm not talking about marriage, I'm talking about engagement to the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. For us to judge that age today is what's called presentism. This is, this is not fair, this is not uh, appropriate. Why? Um, Rami, if you can, on your screen, bring up uh, Safari, Google, Chrome, I don't really care. Look up average life expectancy, 6th century. Yeah. And for anyone that didn't hear that, that's the logical fallacy of presentism. Okay, 30 to 35. If you can share the screen, inshallah. Share the screen, screen. we'll give them that visual. Yeah, everyone, everyone can see you like it, except you two. You guys are the odd ones out. I can share okay, good. Okay, good. Then if everybody can see it, it's good. I'm so, what is the average life expectancy? 30 to 35 years old. 30 to 35 years old. Think about that. This is the 6th century. This is when the Prophet ﷺ was born. This is the time we're looking at. In that time period, your average life expenses was 30 to 35. Today, it's about 77 years of age. In Hong Kong, in Japan, it's around 80. Okay? So today, when we talk about the age of marriage being 18, that would not be practical for that time. Today, when we talk about, oh, uh, he's too young to get married, she's too young to get married, what do we talk about? They haven't finished their schooling, right? She didn't finish high school. She didn't finish college. He didn't get a degree yet. Yeah. Understand, in those times, you didn't have any of that. So when a girl was physically mature, when, when the biological indicators were there, for example, she got her period or you know, other signs that show maturity, they would get married. 
because nature would tell them you are now physically ready to get married. And that was very common. They didn't have school to go to. They didn't have med school. They didn't have any of this. They didn't, you know, this is what they did. Men at the time when they were physically capable would go out and work. They would do trade. They would go plant seeds. Uh, you know, they would, they would farm. Today, if we take a 12-year-old and put them to work, people say this is uh, child labor laws. You know, you, this is abusing uh, children. And, you know, you're, you're taking advantage of the child because he should finish his schooling. But that would mean the whole world was abusing children at the time because everybody, when they were physically old enough, 12, 13, 14 years of age, they would go out and work, right? So this is a, this is a fallacy. This is, this is something that is not correct. And anybody with a bit of logic would understand this, right? At that time, this was the regular way or age to get married. But if we have uh, Mr. Young Don uh, talking about pedophilia, I'm going to bring up something from his Bible. And I know he feels he doesn't need to defend his Bible, but he needs to at least defend his statements now, right? Um, if you don't mind, uh, Rami, can you bring up the first screenshot that I sent you? 100%. Excellent. So I'm going to give you guys some Bible verses, and I'm going to leave the screenshot there, and I want to discuss it in a minute. Um, but I want everybody to write down these verses as well so they can keep this as a record. If we look in the Bible, the Bible that uh, Mr. Don claims to believe in, that he's promoting, that Christians hand out to us, that give out, that you go to hotels and you find it in their drawers. Uh, in Genesis 17, 17, we find, and if one of you guys can take some notes here as well, that Sarah was 90 when Abraham was 100. Ibrahim alayhi salatu salam, Sarah, right? So Sarah was how old? She was 90 when Ibrahim Abraham was 100 according to Genesis 17, 17. You got me? Okay. Sorry. Now, I... in Genesis... Sorry, just... Yeah. So I have, I have three links. I have the... Um... No, no, just, just the first link. Just leave it there. Um, it, it's a commentary. On, yeah, well, we're not going to... I'm going to get to that in a minute. Okay. But first, I just want you guys to write these ages or remember them, okay? Mm -hmm. Genesis 17, 17, in the Bible. Again, I want to make a point. The age of Aisha is not in the Quran. The Prophet Aisha didn't tell us. We do know from Mawquf Sahih Ahadith, and think we have no problem with that. But this I'm giving you from the Bible itself, from their text, their holy text. Okay? Sarah was 90, Abraham was 100, Genesis 17, 17. In Genesis 21, 5, Abraham was 100 when Ishaq or Isaac was born. Okay. In Genesis 23, 1 and 2, in the beginning, we find that Sarah died at the age of 127. Stay with me. You can watch this recording again later if you want to really get this down. Isaac, Ishaq, was 40 when he married Rebekah. According to the Bible, look at Genesis 25, 20. Explicit. He was 40 years old when he married Rebecca. Sarah was 90 when Isaac was born. According to the Bible, when Ishaq was born, Sarah was 90 years old. That's a conclusion you can take from 1 and 2, from Sarah being 90 when Abraham was 100, and Abraham being 100 when Isaac was born. So she was uh, here. Now we find that she was 90 when Isaac was born. Now, Isaac or Ishaq, was 37 when his mother Sarah died. Okay, look at that. If you take 127, subtract 90 from it, you get 37. 
And Ishaq being 37 at his mother's death, and he was 37 when Rebekah was born, because Rebekah was born when Sarah died. So Isaac was 40, according to this, when he married Rebekah, who was three years old. So one more time. 40-year-old. Isaac married Rebekah at three years old. At three years old. And again, according to because I'm a Muslim, because I'm a Muslim, they might be like, oh, you're trying to misread our text. And that's why Rami has now brought up a screenshot. And this one I'm going to discuss. This is a, you have the Aramaic or the Hebrew text right there. This is a commentary on the Old Testament or the Torah by Rabbi uh, Basha ibn Ashir. And this here, if you look at the uh, scroll down, you will find that he clearly says, and this is a Jewish classic accepted commentary uh, very early on. Um, this is not something you know, we've come up with recently. Uh, this was, I think, written, uh, Rabbi uh, Rabiu was, uh, I think, around 1255 to 1340. This is any, a few hundred years old, classic. Well, And this website is a Jewish website, not a Muslim website. So what does he say based on biblical text? He says, and it's very clear, it says the Torah itself testifies that Yitzhak, I mean Yitzhak, was 40 years old when he married uh, Rebecca, which is Rebecca, who, which makes Rebecca three years old when she was married. You, can you highlight that on your screen so people can see? Yeah, actually it's been highlighted for the last like two minutes, three minutes maybe. <laughs> Excellent. Also, bro, Excellent. Is, there, is there no way so, for you to put us... On the bottom of that screenshot while you're screen sharing that's okay I don't think so, so okay. as long as everybody else can see it okay so yeah. now we want to be very very explicit here that these rabbis biblical scholars in accepted well-known biblical commentaries that are right now on jewish websites and we're talking about the old testament which again as christians are supposed to believe in when they give us the bible it's not just the new testament they have the old testament there they believe that this is the same God that they worship, Jesus, Jesus, was the same God of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So that means, according to their Bible, Isaac, 40-year-old, married a 3-year-old. And this is the works of their God. And this is not just a biblical incident. I'm going to now take you to the second uh, link that uh, I sent to you, Rami. If you can bring that up. Okay. And it's loading in. Okay, so we got Genesis 25, 22. Excellent. So now this is from the Old Testament, part of the Bible. And it clearly mentions here, um, if we go down, that Isaac was 40. Uh, bring it up here. Oh. Here. Genesis 25, 20, Isaac was 40 years old when he took wife Rebecca. Uh, now, if you look on the right-hand side, you will find the commentary from Rashi. Rashi is a standard, well-known commentary used for biblical uh, references. It was uh, written by Rabbi Solomon Ibn Ishaq, and he is 1040 to 1106, very classic. It's commonly known as Rashi. Uh, and this is, as you can write, read in the introduction, this is the single most influential Jewish biblical commentary of the Middle Ages. 
anybody who studied Judaism, anybody who's Christian that have studied the Old Testament know that this is a standard. This is the well-known, accepted commentary from the Middle Ages. What does Rashi say? Uh, he says, when Abraham came from Mount Moriah, he received the news Rebekah was born, and he gives the reference, 2220. Isaac was 37 years old, because at that time, Sarah died from the birth of Isaac until the binding. When Sarah died, there was 37 years since she was 90 years old when Isaac was born, and 127 years old when she died. As it is said in 23.1, he's giving all the biblical references here. And the life of Sarah was 127 years. Thus, Isaac was then 37 years old at the period Rebekah was born. And he waited until she was, now pay attention to this, until she was fit for marriage, which was three years, and then married her. So according to the Bible, the age that a girl is fit for marriage is three years of age. And this is not a Muslim commentary. This is not me trying to interpret their text. This is their own scholars in their own commentaries using their own Bible. Okay? Now, three years old. Yeah. Three years old is mm -hmm. the age for marriage. Right? According to them, not us, not as Muslims. Right? If you want to talk about pedophilia, let's talk about pedophilia. Right? Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to the New Testament too. Relax. All the Christians that are jumping up and down, you guys claim you believe in the Old Testament. It's part of the Bible that you give. You claim it's the same God. So you believe in this. Okay. Now, if you can go to the third link I sent you. All right. Third link. Yes. All right. It's looking like uh, 541, Dr. Joshua Culp. Yo, Rami, yes. one, one, one question. Yeah. Are you able to increase the, the audio from me and you? Because I got a couple messages from people saying that me and you are really quiet, but Sheikh is clear. Which is all that matters, honestly, at the end of the day. But yeah. <laughs> but still, Sheikh, right. I want to feel some of the so, audio light, you know? <laughs> so here, uh, while you guys play with the audio, mm -hmm. this is the Talmud. This is the commentaries of the Jewish rabbis that base their rulings off of the Bible, off the Old Testament, right? Off the, of the Torah. And here, uh, in the explanation of it, it mentions in the Talmud itself. This is Jewish law. A girl of the age of three years and one day, if you're more than three years, if you're a day more, may be betrothed by intercourse. If uh, Yawam had intercourse with her, he acquires her thereby. This is Old Testament law. Okay. What does that mean? That if a girl is one day more than three years of age and somebody has sex, whether it's forcefully or not, he is now her husband. She will be betrothed to him. As it says, as stated above, intercourse with a girl over the age of three years counts as intercourse. Therefore, since betrothal may be performed by intercourse, she may be betrothed in this way. If she is li liable for yabon, meaning a previous husband, which I don't know how a three-year-old could have a previous husband, but and the yawam, her dead husband's brother, had intercourse with her, she becomes his wife at three years of age. Read. This, this again... Look at the website. That's why I shared the link. I'm not just reading it. So people can go look it up. This is not us as Muslims coming in. So if you want to take shots, Don, come. Let's talk about it. Right? Let's bring up your Bible. Right? We'll get to it. Now, again, this means intercourse. Uh, he creates legal obligation, legal relationship. And 
who is liable for adultery with her? It is her father who marries her off to someone else. Understanding that according to Jewish law, a girl who is a katana, this is a katana, this is a word that's used in their law, uh, according to the Old Testament, at between the age of 3 and 12 can be given in marriage even without her consent by her father. Right? Because this is the legal age of marriage between 3 and 12 according to the Old Testament laws, right? Now, I know we're going to get some fun uh, Christians that are going to say, oh, you know, this is the Old Testament or, or New Testament. Okay. First thing, as I've clearly mentioned repeatedly now, um, the Bible that you guys give out as Christians contains the Old Testament. You do believe in it, supposedly, right? So this is all applicable to you. But let's talk about Jesus and Mary and Joseph. The earliest document that I could find that discusses the age of Joseph. I'm not talking about people today trying to rewrite history. The earliest that I can find is from the 6th and 7th centuries, which is a book called The History of Joseph the Carpenter. Um, and here, uh, Robengi Motomir Banet, probably mispronouncing that, it's European, um, says in the book, in the history of Joseph the Carpenter, that if you look at early church fathers and their writing, early evangelical church, that they believed that Joseph was 90 years of age. Look up the book yourself. Look again, Don, if you watch this or any other Christian, go get the book. You can get on Amazon, The History of Joseph the Carpenter. Look it up yourself. Right? What do they say? They say that Joseph was 90 years of age and Mary was 12. How old was she? 12. So now, Catholics, you call Saint Joseph. Christians, you call him a great you know, personality in the biblical structure, the, the stepfather of God, according to you guys, right? Um, you know, one of the first believers that he defended Mary, all of this, right? You're going to call him pedophile? Let's, let's see, let's you live by what you say. Because if a 90-year-old marries a 12-year-old today, that's what you would call him. But right now you're going to be like, oh, no, 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 no. This is, this is not in the Bible itself. Well, the age of Aisha, is not in the Quran. Or the Hayyut, the Prophet, if you're going to go with historic reports, then we're going to use your historic reports that tell us that Joseph was 90, marrying a 12-year-old. Now, I'm going to mention something just for Don, a little fun thing. Because he mentioned an author during our stream. What was the author? Do you guys remember? John McCarthy. MacArthur, right? John MacArthur. Hmm. John MacArthur was the one that Don brought up, right? Not me, not you. He brought it home. Well, I have a lot of his books. I have his biblical commentary. I also have a book. It's called God in the Manager um, and the Miraculous Birth of Christ, in which John MacArthur, the one that Don brought up, says that, that Mary was likely engaged to Joseph when she was between 12 and 13 years of age. So there is no getting out of this, Don. Your own John MacArthur says she was 12 years old. 12 to 13, right? The earliest scriptures that you have, the Catholic encyclopedia, and I don't care if you're not Catholic, just because I've given Christian references, Protestant references, I'm going to give Catholic references. They also mention that, mm. that according to them, uh, Joseph, when he was 40, he had married another woman. And I'm going to read from this. Um, this is before his marriage to Mary. When he was 40 years of age, Joseph married a woman called Melcha or uh, Ischa by some, uh, some by others. 
then lived 49 years together and had six children, two daughters and four sons. The youngest of them was James, which is mentioned in the Bible, James. The less, the Lord's brother, they say. A year after his wife's death, as the priest announced through Judea, that this they wished to find in the tribe of Judah a respectable man to spouse Mary, then 12 to 14 years, again, 12 to 14 years of age at the time, years of age, and Joseph was 90 years old. This is not just one reference. It's not just Christians. It's not just Catholics. It's the earliest references. And the current, and John MacArthur himself gives her age at 12. Here again, she's 12, and he's how old? 90 years of old when he went up to Jerusalem amongst the candidates and a miracle manifested and the choice of God had made Joseph and the two, this is God's will that he was doing. And two years later, uh, anyway, so now, just to give you a couple of more references, there's not like some, you know, obscure reference that I found. Bernard Fontana, he also mentioned that Mary was 12 and Joseph was 90. These are the well-respected Christian authors and scholars that they put out there. Um, in Charles Talbert's commentary on the New Testament, this is New Testament on Matthew, he also says that did Mary have sexual relations with Joseph? Because they might be like, oh, Joseph didn't have relations with her. He clearly says, he goes, Mary had sexual relations because in the Bible, in Matthew, it states that Mary did not have sexual relations with Joseph until after Jesus' birth. So he says, from amongst the early witnesses, we find that Mary did have a sexual relationship with Joseph after the birth of Jesus, according to Christian scholars. Um, Tony Coffey, he says that Matthew had stated that Joseph had no sexual relations with Mary until she gave birth to a son. This tells us that after Jesus' birth, Joseph, who was past 90 at this time, and Mary, who was around 13, past 12 years of age, had normal sexual relations like any other couple. Tony Coffey, right? So, what does that tell us? If Don and any other Christian is going to be sincere and honest and be straight up about it, then I want them to go in and tell us why Joseph was a pedophile, why uh, Isaac was a pedophile, why all these biblical references tell, tell them. And when they come back and say, oh, no, 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 at that time when Mary was betrothed, that was the average age when people got married, then the same is true for Aisha, radiallahu anha, right? Uh, in fact, the age gap between Joseph and marriage is much more than that of between the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and Aisha عنها, and the age gap between Isaac uh, and Rebecca in the Bible is also much more than that which is between the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and Aisha So we come at it straight. There's no ambiguity here. We're coming at it with evidences, with biblical verses, with books and references. And if they're honest, Sincere, even right now, if they jump on, I'm here, I'm ready to take a face-to-face -face conversation with anybody who wants to do it. Sheikh, just to quickly interject, a lot of people are commenting this. What's the age of majority in Islam? And from what I know, the age of majority is that you are mature. That's it. The age of maturity, not majority. Age of maturity is that you are mature now. Correct me if I'm wrong. So, in Islam, we discuss this issue of bulugh, of who becomes baligh. And there are many different signs, signs between a man and a woman that shows when they are physically mature. Um, one of them is for a woman, for example, if she gets her hay, if she gets her period. Um, for a man, and there is certain hair that grows in certain places, certain dreams, certain things that we look at to know whether they are baligh. But that also doesn't mean that they're ready for marriage. Because as the kutub of fiqh, the fiqh books discuss, 
that marriage is done when somebody is physically capable and able for marriage. And the, many of the uh, commentaries then also talk about a mental state, right? So what does that mean? Um, a girl may be at an age where her period doesn't come because in her culture or her environment, the period comes very late or some that come very early, but she may not be physically ready for marriage. So at that time, we would not allow that to be a, an Islamic marriage. Islam looks at what we call urf. Urf means the local customs and traditions to look at marriage age, right? Meaning that if, uh, for example, in a country where there is no education system, there's no schooling, um, the average life like expectancies are very low and people get married early, as long as the woman is physically ready, natural indicators of marriage, and the man is physically ready, then they could get married. In other cultures, if there is a delayed period, meaning the people are going to school, they have things, and they want to wait till they're older, nothing wrong with that. We look at the orf there. We don't allow marriage until somebody has the natural indicators of marriage. We don't give an age, because if we said 10, not every 10-year-old is the same everywhere else, right? In America, for example, the legal age for marriage in many states used to be 10 years of age, and now they've bumped it up to 16, and some states 18, but most states still at around 16. Some are still, I think, at 14, you can look it up. Why? Because time and locations differ. Till today in Africa, there are countries where the lifespans are very low, education is not existent, and women regularly get married at 10 and 12 years of age. And we sitting in America to say that's wrong is, is very um, you know, hypocritical of us, because even in America, that you see the fact. And I'll say one more thing. One of the hypocrisies of Western society is when they talk about child marriages, they don't talk about sex of underage children. We have middle school kids that are pregnant, right? Uh, I went to a school that had a daycare. I mean, and, and this was my middle school in San Diego um, because so many girls had already, especially if you look at the Latina community, so many girls had already had children. Right? I, ha I have people that I went to school with that at 12 and 13 got pregnant, meaning they were already having sex before that. So if somebody is old enough to be having sex, why aren't they old enough to get married? You know, this is something that we find as a hypocrisy in Western society. Because age 18, for example, where did we come up with that number? You know, some people at 18 may not physically be ready for marriage. Some people at 18 may be. May, some people at 16 may be ready. You know? So in Islam, we don't go by just putting an arbitrary number. We look at, first and foremost, the natural indicators of the body. If a woman has her period, if a man has... Uh, certain natural indicators, I don't want to get into detail here, but in our fiqh durus we discuss it. Then we say that they are naturally, the, the nature of the person shows that they are ready for sexual intercourse and ready for marriage. That doesn't mean they should get married at that age. They may not be mentally prepared. They don't have to. Islam doesn't say, right, when that happens, halat get married. No. But if they are mentally uh, mature and in the orf, in the tradition of the land, they can, then they should. Right? So this is the Islamic rulings. All right. Jazakallah khair. Uh, Fayyad, one thing I want to say is uh, you can turn your mic up on your end, most likely. Uh, secondly, I think that... I uh, hear an echo for a second. but I... my, my gain is the highest, bro. Oh, I see. I see. Okay, no worries, inshallah. No worries. We'll, we'll deal with it afterwards. Okay. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. I think that was clear for everyone. One thing I want to add is um, just a little note. Uh, I want, Once I heard it, it never left my mind. In California, there is no minimum age requirement with parental consent. So if Aisha was alive today or anyone nowadays, they could legally 
get married with parental consent, which she had, Aisha radiallahu anha, in California today. If you have a problem with that, go to the county, file some kind of complaint, talk to your uh, mm. political representative, and throw your tantrums there, Don. Maybe he lives in Cali himself. I don't know. Throw your tantrums there. Go to the county and complain. And, and again, I mean, even if you look at uh, age of consent or age of marriage today, that's all arbitrary. I mean, we're just making up numbers, to be honest, right? Because if you look at, like I said, if your life expectancy is between 30 and 35, you can't expect somebody to wait till they're 20 years old to have their first child, yeah. right? They won't even be, you know, 10, 15 years old, the parents will be dead, right? Yeah. So how do you raise children that way? And if you have no schooling system, what do you do? I mean, once you're baligh, when you're, when, you, when you're mature, when you're physically natural indicators show that you're ready for marriage, you're just going to sit around and wait 10 years for what? You know, so, so that's, the, that's the whole point, that people are looking at this all wrong. But again, and inshallah, I'm going to jump off. I'm going to let you guys continue having your fun. But uh, we have a conference I got to get to here. But uh, I, I will, again, leave with a couple of summary points. One, regarding the age of Aisha, no doubt that she was at an appropriate age of marriage for that time period because none of the mushrikeen, the polytheists, ever objected to her marriage. Her parents didn't object to her marriage. Nobody else in that society. Until the 1900s, Western academics didn't object to that marriage because their own kings, and in my video that I have about the age of Aisha, I show Western kings and queens that got married at much younger ages than Aisha. And this was in the 16th century and 17th century, not the 6th, right? So uh, the hypocrisy of Don and others in the West, it, 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 it's mind-blowing, right? Secondly, if you're going to throw some kind of statements out there, then I want you to go back and look at the Bible. And I want you to look at the references that I gave. And I, I want you to look at those commentaries. And I want you to look at those references to the age of Joseph and the age of Mary. And then I want you to use the same standard. Be fair and balanced and use the same standard in what you're talking about. And lastly, I want to go back to this, that none of this has to do with credal issues. None of this has to do with aqidah. This is just somebody who was on a live stream, got caught in showing that the Bible shows that Jesus didn't know the hour. He didn't know knowledge that the Father knew. So now he can't be co-equal because he doesn't know. And your credal issues fall apart. The death of Judas falls apart. The, the, the clear contradictions in the Bible show that what you're basing your salvation on is a book that has been flawed, has been changed, and edited, and has clear numeric contradictions. Your own author that you mentioned, John MacArthur, says that there are copious errors in the Bible. And now that your base of your creed and your belief and your book fell apart, you're looking for excuses just to take shots. I want you to go back to creedal issues and go back to understanding and use a fair and balanced way. And if you want to jump on with us another time, inshallah, I'll be more than willing to come back and have a conversation directly uh, with Don or anybody else, inshallah. Inshallah, ya Rabb. Barakallah feekum. Hayyakum Allah. Jazakum Allah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Sheikh. All right. So you guys heard it here, saw it here first. Very clear. Mm-hmm. Very, like, it's, it's qat'i, bro. It's, it's clear cut. There is no way out. Don, all you can do now is be fair. Say that you are on an emotional high. And apologize for your blatant statements or make the same statements about Christianity. And at the end of the day, know that you actually have achieved nothing for Christianity. You have achieved nothing for Christianity and actually even nothing against Islam. 
I want to take this time to talk about some of the super chats. I apologize for taking so long. I took pictures of them so I can uh, get to them. Uh, so I'm going to go in reverse order. Uh, thing before you type, he sent to actually. First, he says, or secondly, he says, exactly, Sheikh, age of America, age of consent was literally as young as seven years old in most states, was 10 up until 1920. By the way, yo, Daniel Hakikachu is ready. Oh, yeah? Okay, just give me give yeah, me two yeah. seconds, inshallah. Two seconds. No worries. I'm no go worries. through these. Um, Anon Y Mouse says numbers thirty one eighteen has a baby and child has baby and child marriages concubines of girls whose parent uh, whose parents and baby brothers wiped out by the Israelites supposedly by Musa Islam by Moses. Subhanallah. Uh, someone asked Sheikh uh, regarding our mother Aisha radiallahu anha. There's a lot of evidence to support that she was actually seventeen to nineteen. Can you comment on that? Um, I'm not the sheikh. All I will say is that uh, the evidences don't fully, wholly add up. I know sheikh has a different opinion on it. He doesn't believe that she was or wasn't. I'm not going to speak on his behalf. But as far as I know, he doesn't believe that she was or wasn't 17 to 19 or whatever. He does have a video on it on his One Message Foundation where he talks about the age of Aisha. He goes into the evidences and talks about it. And you can go watch that, inshallah, on your own time. Akram says, Dear sheikh, regarding our mother Aisha. Oh, wait, I already read that. Um, I think before you type... He sent the same message twice. May Allah bless you, bro. Sorry, you had to read it twice. There was a sister, Sara, that donated. May Allah bless you. And brother Ali Chabar was the first one who donated $200. May Allah bless you immensely. Uh, with, thank you for the kind message as well. So proud of you guys. Give the good work. May Allah bless you, Habibi. All right. That's out of the way. Let me invite to the chat. Actually, can you invite him? Are you friends with him? I'm not, unfortunately, bro. Okay. It's okay. Let me... um. I don't want to read his username because then random people are going to just That's ask. okay. I just put a short break for a okay. second. Let me just uh, invite him into the chat. And by the way, guys, thank you all for the messages um, helping us kind of get everything set up here, you know, giving me advice to do this, do that, fix this, fix that. Uh, inshallah, I definitely will after the stream. Just got to get through this first, inshallah. I think this is definitely good enough for now. And uh, we have with us here, Brother Daniel Hakikachu. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, bro. You're looking good, mashallah. Alaikum. I think he's sorting out some audio things. Got you, got you. No worries. In the meantime, Fahad, bro, how you feeling, man? What are your thoughts? Alhamdulillah, bro. Could you hear me? I can't hear you guys. Oh, there. You can't hear us. We can hear no. you, though. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Hear me. Can you hear me now? Yeah. First time I'm using this. Rami, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, okay, okay. Right. I don't know what's going on, man. The audio interface just picks it up and then loses it. So you might need to honestly return it and get another one. Maybe the focus honestly, right is better. We'll, oh, we'll do that, inshallah. <laughs> inshallah. But um, what we'll do with it, we'll do with it, inshallah. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think everything's good now. The stream is a lot smoother. Um, we have two more clips that actually maybe it's not best that we play them because you guys actually can't hear. Um, but we do have. Wait, what do you mean they could hear it? No, you guys can't hear it. They can hear it, but you guys can't. Oh well, Daniel already saw it, so you can still play it. Okay, all right, type. So let me play the rest of the clip now. In the meantime, you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Is the voice quality okay? Yeah, it's good. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. All right. Oh, I can start on the live right How you doing, my man? Good, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. See you guys. 
You too, you too, Habibi. Taib. So we have uh, Sunam family said Daniel in the house and donated $2. Uh, and someone else said the marriage to Aisha was through Revelation Wahi, if I recall correctly. Allah SWT was the one who ordained it. Whatever Allah ordains is pure 100%. And that's the thing about morality. Uh, you can't definitively say anything unless you're, you have revelation from God. That's the only time you can wholesomely say this is objectively true. Uh, so when you're dealing with religion, it makes no sense to make a moral argument unless you can prove your religion to begin with. And this is the problem I think a lot of Christians have. They presuppose their religion and assume that we have to as well. But no, they have to justify it. And maybe we could talk a little bit more about that. So, Brother Danny Hakikichu, I know you saw the video. I think what I'm going to do is play the rest of it. There's a few minutes for the stream. And then we'll get back and we'll talk about some of the points. All right, Bismillah. So this guy titled it Young Jahad. <laughs> and the reason why it doesn't phase the average Muslim when you bring that up to them is because Jesus is not in their heart. It's because the Holy Spirit, God, is not in their heart to strengthen that morality. How do you hear so this? This is and try this to guy look past it or rationalize that. The Pardon me? This guy is a musician? Young Don? Uh, I have no idea. But do you know? Why is he popular? <laughs> I, I know I know that he used to make like animations on YouTube and that was his main account. And then he made a side account when he converted to Christianity. And how recently did he convert to Christianity? Two months as admitted by himself on the last stream. Man, so in two months, he's like... <laughs> starting to go to war and he wants to like antagonize others yeah he wants yeah, he wants and, all the smoke yeah and at the in the worst way possible because i mean this this is a guy that said that he wanted to learn about islam and i mean the way he did it is the equivalent of me having a stomach ache and going to the garbage man for a diagnosis uh he went to apus david wood nabil Qureshi, uh, all of which have never been muslim especially nabil Qureshi, who was an ahmadi who's still not a muslim <laughs> and um, tried to learn about Islam. And uh, when he came to, to learn about Christianity from Sheikh Uthman, he was very angry afterwards. So I don't see why he would do the same thing um, with Islam. Learn from he's Christians a, he's a songs. YouTuber, bro. I don't think he's a musician. He does make music, like he does make songs, but his main thing was he's a YouTuber. He has about 3 million subs. His YouTuber, his YouTube name, channel name is Young Don Saz God. And he just makes off. animated stories. That's so he, he, call, he calls himself a god, and he's supposed to be Christian. I don't get it. <laughs> I think that well, I there, think he there, chose there, that there name before he converted. Anyway. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. But um, let me let me play the last few minutes of the uh, of the clip here. The man, the the Quran. See, I learned a lot about Islam after the fact. You know what I mean? What what like people, after the call? After, after the, the call, yeah, because I went into it looking thinking that I was about to learn about Islam. Mm -hmm. But in them, you know, coming for me, I had to now go and learn about it on my own terms. He deceivers, right? There he has like ninety nine um magical names or something like that. Ninety nine yeah, special names. One of them is the great deceiver, mm -hmm. right? And that's the thing about morality. It's because that is who Satan is. Satan is regarded as the greatest of deceivers, mm -hmm. you know? And <laughs> ironically muslims don't see that mm. they don't see that right a lot of them will say false right like if they're in the chat or you know false false they say false. you know why they say false one they could be lying intentionally knowing that they are lying because again it's permissible in islam or two <laughs> it is because they haven't read the quran because mo most muslims are uneducated on the quran i that can't even hear the fact. clip it is incredible 
Yeah, for some reason, Discord, when I try sharing my screen, it doesn't uh, it doesn't play the volume. I can share it and you can like read the captions, but uh, we decided just to play it for the audience and then come back and talk about it. So the point that the, the clip that I just played um, is an extraordinarily funny one, in my opinion, uh, because he used the uh, God is the great deceiver in the Quran argument after saying God has 99 magical names. Like this is some fairy tale. Um, and then... <laughs> He went on to um, to say that most Muslims actually don't know the Quran and they intentionally lie because it's a part of the religion. So you see that he just went to like islamwiki.com or .net or whatever and Wiki looked Islam, at the most, yeah. Wiki Islam, yeah, looked at the most common uh, arguments. So if there's anything you want to talk about first, Daniel, inshallah, we can definitely jump to those things. If not, then why don't you talk about the whole misconception of Allah being the greatest deceiver versus greatest planner, where the argument comes from, and so on and so forth. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, So this is a common argument that's used by uh, Christian apologists, but it's completely nonsensical. Like, you don't even need to know the Bible or anything about Christianity to recognize that this is a, a ridiculous uh, bad faith argument from Christians uh, because Allah is deceiving those who are deceivers themselves. Those who engage in deception and those who commit injustice are the ones that are going to be deceived because they're delusional in their rejection of Allah, rejection of uh, God and Islam, and they want to create mischief in the earth. They want to trick the believers and deceive them and they think that they can trick or deceive Allah their creator this is their mentality but it's it's very just and very fitting that this is the tables are turned on them and in fact they're the ones who are deceived so what is what is the problem with this like what is the moral problem with this if someone is immoral and if someone is uh dishonest and someone is committing all kinds of uh, crimes trying to create bloodshed and mischief in the land then it's completely immoral even from an atheist perspective or christian perspective or jewish hindu perspective that that person deserves a taste of his own medicine right so even on its face like this objection against islam is completely dishonest and in bad faith. Like they're taking like the worst, most uncharitable reading of the Quran in order to um, make this kind of criticism. But we can go further because in the in the Bible itself, there are examples where uh, God is quoted as deceiving, as wanting to deceive and lie to people. Like this is explicit in not only the Old Testament but also the New Testament. So some references for you in First Kings chapter 22, verse 20. Uh, it starts, and the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab into attacking Ramoth Gilead and going to his death there? One suggested this and another that. Finally, a spirit came forward stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. By what means? The Lord asked. And the spirit says, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouths of all of his prophets. You will, 
That's what the spirit said. And then God says, you will succeed in enticing him. Go and do it. <laughs> so God is authorizing this spirit to go lie in order to entice and to deceive and trick. So <laughs> this is one example in 1 Kings. Another example in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. <laughs> So, so uh, how much more explicit can you be about God sending lie? Basically, God is lying to people, uh, which is not in Islam. Allah doesn't lie to humanity. Deceiving someone in context of the Quran means that it's their own self-delusion that Allah, that God allows them to continue to be deluded. And... And that's how they get mixed up. That's how they trip over themselves as evil people. But this, in these verses, it's like God is just going and sending lies <laughs> according to them, according to the Bible. In Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 10, Then I said, Ah, sovereign Lord, how completely you have deceived this people and Jerusalem by saying you will have peace when the sword is at our throats. So again, there was... Uh, this peace that was supposed to happen, but according to Jeremiah, the sovereign Lord lied or deceived people when there was no peace. There was just war and swords at the throats. So, I mean, we can go into the commentary on this, and the commentary confirms this interpretation. Like, all of the uh, traditional Christian commentaries will confirm that, yeah, sometimes God, according to the Bible, will deceive people and outright lie to them and yeah they'll have like a certain kind of way to explain why that's okay but at the end of the day it's deception it's de it's deceiving people it's lying to people and it's ex it's explicit in the bible so how can you criticize islam when islam is not in in the quran it's not even at that level so that's you know i don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that I um, honestly, I'm flabbergasted, bro. I don't know. And like, I'm just thinking about this from Don's perspective. I'm, I'm trying to be respectful as possible. But honestly, like, Don, you're in a bad situation. Like a very, like every single argument that you have made has flipped back on you. I want you to understand that every single argument you've made so far has flipped back on you. We're going to keep adding to it, not to be spiteful or hateful or vengeful, but to just speak the truth. because That's what Muslims are taught to do. So now you have two options continue in your arrogance and ignorance and persist in this and achieve literally nothing and then lose your credibility as a person, as a man, or come back, be honest, or take, take a month to learn, come back, be honest and admit these were flawed arguments. You did it out of emotion and you have no argument against Islam. Next thing I want to mention is um, he was talking about the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, where we say that Allah is the best of planners. And there's this common, for some reasons, common argument that, uh, this is translated to the greatest deceiver for some reason. Allahu Adam. Uh, I'm not sure why, but that was the main argument that I think he was making. And then he makes a very interesting point. It's unrelated because we've dealt with that. It's done. And I'm still flabbergasted by those verses. Uh, Allah. God to, to Jerusalem, to Jerusalem, said they're going to be in a state of peace. And now they're at war with a sword to their neck. This is God's people. Come on, man. But side note, he said that Muslims don't know the Quran. He said Muslims don't know the Quran and it always needs interpretation. 
that every time you buy a Quran, it comes with all these footnotes. Because like there are footnotes at the bottom and so on and so forth. And he uses this as kind of an argument against the Quran for some reason that, oh, you can't just read it for yourself. You want to you wanna play it or? I already played that part. Okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, so I, I mean, planning, because makr, um, makr, which is the use, like in, in certain ayat, that's the word that's used, the fa'al. Makar uh, Allah, meaning Allah, or, or Allah says, for example, uh, in the third chapter of the Quran, verse 54, Makaru meaning past tense. They plotted. It's not, plan is not exactly right translation for that um, because it's like Makar is a kind of deceptiveness, like conspiring. They conspired uh, to do something wrong. And um, so this is why I was referring to Allah is saying in this verse in the Quran that they plotted, they planned, they tried to deceive. And then Allah, okay, also plotted against them or not in, you know, it's, it's not like Allah is planning because Allah is all knowing. God is all knowing. He's all wise. He already knows about their plans. He already knows about their plots. But that's like the foolishness of someone who thinks that he can deceive and like work against mm. the work against God's plans. And Christians have this uh, uh, similar expression, like God works in mysterious ways, <laughs> right? So God, what, what that means is that things happen. You think that things are going to happen in a certain way in life. And then something else happens that you didn't expect. And... God works in mysterious ways. And that's the way that um, these disbelievers or those who are trying to fight against Allah and his messenger, وسلم, those who are trying to deceive the believers, they think that they have the upper hand. They think that they're in control. And that's what gives them the confidence to scheme and connive and deceive uh, and, and do this kind of makr. Uh, but in fact, it's Allah who's in control. Allah is the one who's all powerful. Allah is the one who is going to turn their plots against them. And that's so purely justified. That's purely, you know, we can see the superiority of that mm -hmm. uh, and, and the uh, beautiful nature of that. That's how Allah operates. Yeah. Um, and so this is not something that is foreign to Christianity. It's not foreign to Judaism. In fact, according to the Bible, uh, their understanding of God goes much further uh, than just retaliation or um, reciprocity between um, these two, like uh, giving the deceivers and the criminals their just desserts. 100%. Jazakallah khair. Because actually, I didn't know that about makr and, and the actual definition. And often you do see it mm -hmm. translated as, um, you know, they plan and Allah plans and Allah is the best of planners. So Jazakallah khair for yeah. being, you know, completely transparent, honest about it. And I think, honestly, that's probably one of the best explanations of it that I've heard. So, mm. Barakallah Fiq. Fadi, have anything to add before we move on and play the rest of the clip? Mm. I'm going to be honest, bro. I have something to add, but it's going to be leading into a side tangent. But someone sent me a screen recording of him in a stream claiming that Hinduism is a monotheistic religion, bro. And I don't even want to get into <laughs> he that. He so. As a Christian, he has to. As a Christian, he has to. Because they believe in Brahman, as far as I know. And then that one God is broken down to millions of other gods. Yeah. And that's why he has to say that uh, it's monotheistic mm -hmm. to some degree. 
Fuck bro, man. Just play play for fourth clip, bro. Bismillah. Bismillah. Bibly boring and hard to read. One. And two, it requires wait. wait. It is incredible. Most Muslims are uneducated on the Quran. That is just a fact. It is incredibly boring and hard to read. He just Guys said, and uh am I can they hear me, bro? Yeah, yeah, they can hear you. Yeah, for anyone wondering where Anhel is, brother Anhel is traveling at the moment. So inshallah he will join us next session. Inshallah. And everyone jazakallah khair for the super chats. May Allah bless you all immensely. Uh, everyone send this stream to someone else and write the words, oh my God, this is crazy uh, to get them to click on it. And I want it to double, inshallah. <laughs> so viral marketing. Inshallah. <laughs> I want you guys to take, and he just said, the Quran is incredibly boring to read. That's how I know he hasn't read the Bible because he would literally eat his words if he actually read the Bible. It's literally like... There's like hundreds of thousands of words in the Bible, bro. And bro, the amount of books you need of interpretation and explanations and all this. Don't even get me started. Yeah, and it's insane. I'm just going to play the rest of the clip. One and two, it requires interpretation. It inquires like you can't read the Quran on your own. Even the Quran you go out to buy, it will come with like notes and interpretation notes. If you just try to read it on your own and you read it plainly, oftentimes they'll say you're reading it wrong. And that's one of the biggest arguments that they will have when you try to bring up errors in the Quran. For instance, Dior, mm -hmm. why don't you eat pork? Cause the filth, the, what the- You know, I know I, I just said a lot of really harsh things about the religion, the false religion, and I know in Islam, you are trained to, to one, because you don't have truly have the Holy Spirit within you. So you don't really have grace and kindness and mercy in your heart. You feel me? Um, which is a state that I'm very familiar with. I know what if. Okay, so I'm not going to play the rest of this clip. All I'm going to say is that he basically goes on to say that before Christianity, he was at a point where he was so angry at little petty things that people would do that he would have thoughts of, if I could snap my fingers and this person would be dead and I got away with it clean, I would do it. Um, and he's talking about this kind of state before Christianity. And his his boys are kind of like, you know, what the hell do you want, bro? What, what the hell are you talking about? I've never felt that. And he asked, like, he tried to reason with them. Oh, have you never felt that? And they're like, no. Yeah, so I, you know, I think it's the most, chill. the most concerning thing too, is he says, I would have, I would have ended them. I would have off them over dumb stuff too, yeah. over petty stuff too. Yeah. And Daniel, you saw the clip. So hashtag yeah, Christian values. If, if that's what you think is representing Christian values, then I have nothing else to say. Well, to be fair, he says that that's what he, how he felt before he became Christian. Right. Mm, yeah, that's true. So that's he's true. not saying, I mean, I don't necessarily see anything wrong with that statement. I mean, that's a personal revelation about his own mental state and maybe he you know had an anger problem but if you know he's moved past that because of christianity okay i mean i i can't really fault him for trying to improve but it's a interesting revelation about his mental state in the past <laughs> so so let's talk about something a little more uh related to religion islam he mentioned that, and he kind of used this as a, what seemed to be a negative talking point about Islam, that when you get a Quran, you always have subnotes. You cannot understand it on your own. You always need some kind of interpretation needs to be interpreted. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Why do Muslims need interpretation? Well, it's 
Revelation, the Quran is not meant to be read like by itself in the abstract. Um, obviously, every Muslim can go and open the Quran and, and read it, and non-Muslims can open the Quran and read it. And you will definitely, uh, many have converted to Islam uh, just by reading the Quran by itself. Even one of my close friends, who's a professor now at a university, he became Muslim just because he opened the Mus'haf and he started reading through Surah Al-Baqarah, the longest chapter of the Quran. He read Surah Al-Fatiha, then he went to uh, the second chapter, and about you know maybe 60 verses within Surah Al-Baqarah, like very early in the first juz, he said to himself, I can't deny that this is from God. Like it, it just hit him mm -hmm. so hard. Um, and he and he was a Christian. He was like a, a very devout believing Christian. He believed in God and he thought he was a Christian. And then he read the Quran and it just became obvious. It was obviously the truth when he, when he read it. And many Christians that I know who became Muslim have the same experience when they open the Quran. Um, some, like I, I have another friend who became Muslim, he was Christian, and he just uh, opened the Mus'haf uh, and basically he landed on Surat Al-Ikhlas, uh, which every Muslim learns as a child. Qul Allahu Ahad. Say Allah is one. That was the first thing he read from the Quran and it just hit him, you know, really hard in the heart that, wow, you know, this is because the Quran is not like other kinds of literature. Like you can read the Bible, you can read uh, other kinds of scripture in Hinduism, or you can read the Talmud, which is the oral Torah, which Jews also believe is from God as revelation uh, given to Moses. None of those, those all read like, you know, books that in literature that human beings write. Um, but uh, the Quran is just different. <laughs> like it has a different feeling to it. And people, even the enemies of Islam will, will note it. Uh, and you can see this within the academic study of the Quran. It's not really poetry uh, because the Arabs of, of the time of the Prophet ﷺ in the 7th century and prior, they had a long tradition of poetry. Um, but the Quran is not like that. And it's also not like prose, like you're relaying a story or you're relaying historical events or you're relaying like a myth, like mythology. It's not like that either. It's just something completely unique and completely different. And uh, this will strike the non-Muslim, the atheist, and uh, even Christians. So I think when he you know, noted like he clearly has noticed that the Quran is different. He wants to spin it as if it's a bad thing. But what Muslims know is that, well, it's because it's unique because it's actually from God. It's not the inspired word of God. It's not, you know, like this uh, long convoluted history of the Bible with all of its revisions and edits and contradictions. It's not like that. It's something unique. It's something amazing. It's a miracle. So alhamdulillah that we're Muslim and we have the, this gift and we're sharing it alhamdulillah, with, the, with the world. Alhamdulillah, Ya Rab. Alhamdulillah, Ya Rab. So something I actually I've wanted to discuss um, to the audience, to the people, especially Christians, 
when it comes to like, for example, the Bible versus the Quran, a lot of Christians presuppose the Bible is true, especially people like young Don, he said himself on the last stream where everything kind of started. I don't need to defend the Bible. And then when Sheikh Uthman asked, um, you know, where do you get your beliefs from? He says the Bible. He's like, well, how do you know it's trustworthy? And then he's like, I don't need to defend it. So it's like, you know, you can't, you know, <laughs> you can't claim such a thing, but they expect us to prove our religion and go against all these weird accusations they have. So if somebody, let's say young Don came on the stream and he's like, I, uh, how do I know that the Quran actually is miraculous? How would you go about educating him on that? Well, there's different aspects of the miraculousness of the Quran. Mm -hmm. But I mean, first, I think I find it like hilarious that he says he doesn't need to defend yeah. the Bible. I think this is just something that he like a talking point that he got from his handlers like it's clearly clear that he's being trained if if that's the kind of thing he's saying so it's like okay we we're not like on that stage of your training yet young don <laughs> like just if they bring up the bible anything from the, from the bible just say you're not going to defend it like that's such a nonsensical answer yeah uh but when it comes to the the quran um there are different aspects to its miraculousness. Um, one of uh, what a lot of people will talk about is, for example, the language of the Quran and the eloquence of the Quran, the balagha uh, within the Quran. And this, there are many commentaries on this. I think what really was the most uh, notable thing that in my life was, you know, I, I went to Harvard and for my undergrad in college, and there was a Christian Arab, he was Lebanese, who uh, was also in, in the same class as me freshman year at Harvard. And we were talking about religion and comparing the Quran and the Bible. And he said, you know, his father is also a Christian, Lebanese Christian, and who's like an expert in literature. And so he's talking about his father, and he admitted at one, one point in our conversation that his father actually loves the Qur'an, <laughs> even though he's a Christian. Oh, wow. Loves the Qur'an. And I was like, well, why? If he's a Christian and he loves the Qur'an, why doesn't he become Muslim? And this uh, Lebanese guy was saying that, well, he recognizes that the Qur'an is from God. He recognizes that because why? why? Why does he recognize that? Because of the language. Like he's an expert in literature. He knows that the Quran, like no one can match, no human being can match that level of eloquence of the Quran. And so he, for that reason, believes that it's from God. He just can't accept it, like for personal reasons, like something is blocking him from accepting it as the truth. So I thought that was very interesting testimony. <laughs> testimony. <clears throat> Um, I think that this uh, miraculous nature of the Quran, it's something that you can't really express uh, or even a lot of Muslims won't even be able to recognize themselves because most Muslims are not going to reach that level of expertise with the Arabic language. Um, you can study Arabic for years um, and, and not reach a level of mastery to appreciate all of the nuances that make the Quran the superior. As you get you know, further and further in your Arabic studies, you get more of a sense of it uh, and you get a more of a taste of it and how, how the Quran is different and superior. But so it's, it's hard to convey that to people who don't speak Arabic or they, don't, they haven't mastered Arabic. 
or they, you know, they're just non-Muslims. So I, I'm not sure if that's the best point to really emphasize to non-Muslims. I think one aspect of the miraculousness of the Quran that we can justify for non-Muslims to be able to verify themselves is the preservation of the Quran. And this is something that is unmatched in any religion. Like no religion with their scripture comes close. Um, other religions, they can't really attribute their books to the supposed founders of their religion. Um, there's no evidence. There's no like hard evidence that, for example, you can date the oldest biblical manuscripts and there are just... You know, when it comes to the New Testament, it's like the earliest manuscripts can only be dated to within 150 years after uh, Jesus. 150 years. Or when it comes to uh, Moses and the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, that's even, you know, it's they can't even get within uh, a thousand years of, of Moses. They can't, they don't have any manuscript that exists that they know of that can be dated to the time of when when Moses according to Judaism purportedly lived so if you can't get the manuscript or you can't get the earliest manuscripts anywhere close to the supposed founder of the religion then how can you have confidence that the book that you have the Hebrew Bible is what actually came from the founder of the religion how can you tell that um or uh hinduism like you can't the vedas yeah the vedas you can't get the oldest manuscripts are thousands three thousand four thousand years after the founders allegedly of, of hinduism allegedly lived and and wrote the vedas so this is like there's no religion that's even close but when it comes to the quran the oldest manuscripts of the quran are dated academically, objectively, to within the lifetime of the Prophet wasallam. That is, that is significant. Why? Because we can open those manuscripts uh, and read what they, what's written there and match that with what Muslims today read and recite and teach of the Quran. That is huge. That, that is... Because if you think that God sends revelation, right? That's what Christians believe. That's what Jews believe. Hindus have a, have a slightly different understanding of, of revelation. Buddhists have a slightly different understanding of revelation. But let's just focus on Judaism and Christianity. They believe, Jews and Christians believe that God sends revelation in some form or fashion, whether it's inspired word of God or, or tablets being sent to Moses or whatever. God sends that revelation to guide humanity. But if God is sending that revelation, wouldn't he preserve it? Like, wouldn't it be something that's preserved up to this time so that people can follow that revelation and, and practice it? The fact that that has not happened in Judaism and Christianity is a, is a big mark against those religions actually, or those scriptures actually being from God. But, in Islam, we actually meet like that, that bar. Islam, the Quran actually meets that basic requirement, the basic logical requirement for being like a true religion in our times. 
how can you be a true religion and have the scripture, have the revelation of God when you can't even source it to the founder of the religion, the, the alleged founder of the religion, speaking, you know, in academic terms. Yeah. So Islam is the only religion that meets that uh, standard. So that's that's something miraculous. And, and we're not even talking about memorization because mm -hmm. that's a different whole different aspect of it because we know that the Quran has been transmitted primarily through recit through memorization and recitation and Muslims have their children memorize the entire Quran my own children are memorizing the, the Quran we're trying to get them to complete their hives uh, that's what preserves the Quran uh, but if that's not enough for you we also got the receipts <laughs> we also got you know all of the all the script all the uh, texts the manuscripts the folios they've been preserved they're in various museums and they've been dated carbon dated to within the lifetime of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and there's also a lot of geological discoveries because um muslims would write quran not just on like um parchment or velum like uh, animal hide leather they would also write on rock they would also write on pottery or uh they would they would, other places that can last you know over centuries and now archaeologists are discovering like these kinds of in uh, carvings within stone in the arabian peninsula and they can date those also to within the lifetime of the Prophet or very early after. And that's further proof and evidence. But you don't have anything analogous to that within Judaism or Christianity and definitely, definitely not the uh, Vedic religions like Hinduism and Buddhism and so forth. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And uh, if that is not enough for someone to accept Islam, that has to at least be enough for someone like Don to have a huge doubt casted over his belief and the question mm -hmm. as to why he is a Christian. And I think that's something that's very uncomfortable for a lot of people to ask themselves and to try and sit down with themselves and answer it. But for any belief you have, it is necessary. I want to expand on that point a little bit um, just so it's a little more understood. Most of the manuscripts for the New Testament uh, that we have are from the 9th century. The 9th century. Yeah. Exactly. And anything we do have from like the second century, third century is like the size of a credit card and the shape of a triangle. So like there's probably more information on my credit card than there is on, on those things. And there's this book I have here. I point out every single time I, I talk, you can't read it, but it says the five gospels. It has the gospel of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, and also the gospel of Thomas, which I know Christians say is not canonical, but it's still a historical document to some extent. And you might be wondering why am I bringing out this giant book it's because they took every single verse that is reported in the Gospels that Jesus said, and they rank them, and they color code them as well. They put in red letters like this at the top, things Jesus most likely said. They put in pink letters, things he probably said. They put in gray letters, things he probably didn't say. And they put in bold black letters, things Jesus definitely did not say. It was a group of New Testament scholars that got together and voted on every, they voted on every single verse in these five gospels. And I just want you to take a quick look and tell me what color you see most of. Black, it's mostly black, 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 black. You know why? 95% of the verses in here 
were graded black by, or were graded completely fabricated and authentic by the Jesus Seminar uh, and other scholars, New Testament scholars. That is because you cannot in any way, shape, or form link the New Testament back to Jesus Christ. Peace and blessings be upon him. And adding to that point, with all the differing views they had at the time, how would you know that this articulation, this understanding of Jesus was the accurate one? You had the Ebionites, you had, I think, the monarchists, I think is the name, uh, and you had subordinationists, you have Unitarians as well amongst those groups. You have so many different groups of people. How do you know that this co-equal, co-eternal trinity that you have today that came 300 years later and it was voted upon at the Council of Nicaea, how do you know that is the correct understanding? You don't. And that, I think, is uh, another big problem that they have to deal with. I can expand on it more, but uh, inshallah, I think we should move on. I have some super chats here quickly. I mean, we don't even have to go back to like the Ebionites and the Marcionites. Yeah. Uh, the, because those were different uh, groups, um, you know, within two or three centuries of Jesus, and peace be upon him. But um, what about all of the changes and distortions to. Uh, Christianity and Christian Christian theology, Christology, yeah. uh, like in the past two hundred years or the past three hundred years, yeah. or like this um, young Don, uh, he's like following what uh, evangelical Christianity, like he's born again Christian. Like, where what are the roots of evangelical Christianity, mm -hmm. um, and why should you be evangelical Christian as opposed to the hundreds of other or thousands of other sects? With just in the modern day, and there are some huge differences, like bit, uh, between you know your conception of God, your conception of Jesus. Is Jesus the uh, Son of God? Is he co-eternal with God? Is he this or that? So, all of these are like major differences in theology um, that don't exist in Islam. Like in Islam, you can say, oh, what are the big distinctions? You have Sunni and you have Shia. Sunni and Shia don't differ like about, oh, does God have a son or does God have like different uh, partners that he works with or like we don't have those kinds of uh, distinctions in our very conception of, of God himself. Um, so that's that's a big difference between Islam and, the, and Christianity for sure. 100%. 100%. And one last note I want to mention on this topic is amongst different opinions. Uh, and I think we really are kind of beating the dead horse here. So we'll move on after this, maybe take some questions <laughs> and super chats. Actually, there was a question yeah, yeah. earlier for you, Daniel. So I'll read that out in a minute. But um, there is actually, it, it, it's actually crazy if you think about it. Not that we need this as Muslims. We don't need this at all. But just so Christians kind of understand the kind of beliefs that were out there. There is an early century, uh, early second century, or let's just be fair, say second century church father named Basilides who Irenaeus writes in his book Against Heresies, I can find the exact quote for you if you want, that Basilides believed that Jesus was not crucified and that Simon was switched out on the cross and he was crucified in Jesus's place while Jesus rose to his father. Does that sound very familiar to you? Does that sound familiar to you? This is second century church father reported by Irenaeus in his book, the, the great book uh, Against Heresies, where he talked about, I think, the uh, Ebionites and a bunch of other groups as well. This conception or this, this belief 
was articulated by a second century church father when Islam came in seventh century Arabia and the Prophet had no access to, to even the Bible, the five, the, the four gospels you have today, let alone the work of one random church father in the second century. Like just to know that historically that kind of belief was there to begin with from a church father in the second century. Sit with that. Think about it. I'm going to read this question. I'm going to take a two minute break for myself. Uh, unless you guys mm -hmm. have anything you want to add before I read this question. Bro, no, I just want to say denying that is like denying any rationale. Like there's, there's nothing to say after that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I mean, uh, you can't really expect, unfortunately with these Christian apologists, you can't expect any kind of consistency. Um, it's just really, they will go to all kinds of lengths to d deny like the obvious contradictions, the obvious inconsistencies on any of these issues that, we're talking about whether we're talking about like violence whether we're talking about like marriage like minor marriage whether we're talking about authenticity of text whether we're talking about theology preservation of scripture like they really have nothing that they can criticize islam with and i mean this is a big point also that we should make is that well why are like in in what an earlier clip uh this young don is saying that islam is like the religion of satan um islam is muslims are the foot soldiers of of satan and i find that so funny when you have a christian saying that and why do they say that why are they focused on islam because in the whole world there are only two religions that have any kind of positive understanding of jesus christ one is christianity and the other is islam all other religions are either neutral with with regard to Christianity or they actually uh, demonized Jesus Christ. Um, and that religion is Judaism. So there, there are at, there's at least one religion that actually has demonized Jesus Christ in like very disturbing and shocking ways, what they write about Jesus in their texts. But these Christians want to criticize Muslims and Islam even though we have like the most positive view of Jesus Christ. So how does that make any sense? How are, how can you claim to be consistent when you want to demonize Islam, but you have nothing to say about these other religions that are either neutral, like they think that Christ was just a random nobody, or they think that he was like a sorcerer, polytheist, spawn of, uh, of Satan. <laughs> Like you have nothing to say about those religions, but you want to focus on Islam. I'll tell you why. I'll give you the reason. It's because uh, Islam is the only religion that d has not liberalized. Islam is the only religion that hasn't sold out to like the modern liberal mm. world. Yeah. Whereas all of these other religions like Hinduism, Judaism, Buddhism, uh, even Confucianism, Shintoism, they've all liberalized. They've all adopted these kinds, this liberal understanding of human value, human rights, etc. And Islam is the only holdout. Islam is the only religion that says, no, we're not going to sell out our religion. We're not going to change. We're not going to change our teachings. We're not going to distort it. Because why? Because we know it's from God and we're going to practice it. You guys are changing. So Christians on some level, either explicitly or especially these apologists, they recognize that on some level and they see Islam as a threat. Like Islam, if you compare Christianity in its reformed, modernized, liberalized, secularized form today to Islam, it's, it's obvious that Christians have sold out 
Christians have 100%. distorted their teachings and there's a there's like all the receipts are there when we when you look at the 19th century at the beginning of the enlightenment yeah. and the pressure that was put on the church the catholic church as well as protestants as well as orthodox to update and change their teachings to outlaw certain things that historical record is all there um so this this makes them feel threatened it makes them feel like they have to go after the big boys you know the muslims they have to go after the you know the true religion they don't go after hinduism they don't go after judaism they don't go after buddhism because the, those they're all in one group like a bunch of liberalized reformed religions islam is the last man standing so that's ob it's obvious why they will focus their energy and their anger hatred and jealousy on muslims and islam one hundred percent. That is that is very true, and it's unfortunate. But uh, alhamdulillah, I think Muslims are resilient Muslims enough, are you know, to uh, to withstand that. And it's funny because you you mentioned something and answered the question that somebody asked before I got a chance to read it out. They said, "Question for Daniel: In contemporary society, do you think Christianity is learning more and more uh, is is leaning more and more towards secular thinking?" And I think you mm -hmm. completely answered that wholeheartedly. So I think uh, mm -hmm. Masood, brother, you got your answer there. Inshallah, I. I'm going to take a uh, two-minute break myself. You guys, inshallah, will continue and uh, continue to educate the viewers here, inshallah. One question I want to ask, uh, Daniel, because we didn't get a chance to actually fully watch the clip with you here live. We know that you took a look at it earlier on. Uh, while I'm gone, you and Fai can talk about what were your initial reactions to it? You know, What were your initial thoughts when you heard some of the claims of maybe the things we didn't get a chance to discuss with you? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, and Daniel, bro, you can hear me, right? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, alhamdulillah. All right, carry on. Uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, there are a lot of things that, uh, that I saw from the clip, like he's bringing up the age of Aisha, radiallahu anha. It's like a standard Christian polemic, but it's like such a, again, like a weak claim because they have the same thing in the Bible, like even more explicit. And I mean, I think that when it comes to the age of Aisha, like we have to be clear, like, yeah, there might be some kind of question about, okay, was she seven or six or nine or 10, but there's no actual uh, view or opinion in the, in the tradition, the Islamic tradition that says she was like 18 or 17. Uh, that's a 100% modern view. Yeah, so yeah. I think we have to be like very clear about that. Like, okay, just because it's not like there's not like a birth certificate that says that Aisha was born on this month, on this day, in this year, then therefore it's open. She could have been uh, much older. No, like no one seriously thought that she was much older. Like that's generally the age range. But again, like this is not an issue. It's not an issue like uh, in the clip. The, uh, young Don is saying that, oh, well, Muslims have no problem with minor marriage uh, because they have Satan in their hearts or or Jesus has not entered their hearts, mm. I think is, is yeah. what he said. So, I mean, if that's the case, then Jesus was not in the heart of Christians themselves <laughs> mm. because Christians throughout history accepted uh, minor marriage and practiced minor marriage throughout their societies, throughout their um, throughout Europe, minor marriage was practiced. And even in canon law, canon law, which is 
um you know the most like it's the analog to fiqh basically mm-hmm. in islam like a fiqh tradition but in canon law within christianity um the age of consent was just 12 years old um so that like the same kind of concept of minor marriage um daughters being married off young that is something that has been practiced by christians by jews by muslims by pretty much every single civilization Mm. prior to modern liberal reforms have have practiced this um so yeah i just have a hard time understanding like what is their uh complaint like okay if you want to just take whatever you believe now like young don himself he converted right so he accepted an entire religion that means that he for many years of his life was living completely ignorant about certain things he was just a product of his culture product of social forces around him and then he discovered this uh, religion and he became christian so that should give him in a sense that you can be very wrong about the nature of reality for large portions of your life before you discover something that you then believe is true and we should all have this kind of sense that a lot of the things in the world around us that we that seem to be true, that seem to be right, that seem to be moral, uh, may actually turn out to be wrong, might turn out to be unjust, may turn out to be immoral. And other things that we thought were immoral might turn out to be perfectly fine and, and moral. That That's what it means to be like a humble person or to understand that we to a certain extent everyone is the product of their environment and a product of their culture so this idea that it's some kind of huge moral injustice it's like a crime uh like it's completely oppressive and abusive for a man to marry a uh, pubescent minor at at those age at those ages that's something that is purely a product of the past not even necessarily 200 years, but more like 100 years or 50 years in one particular part of the world. So it's like a very... when I can more understand atheists making this type of argument against Islam um, because they just believe in the morality of the now. Like whatever happens now, whatever we believe now, according to the liberal state... Okay, for a hundred years, Muslims, Christians, atheists believe that sex between two men is completely immoral and completely wrong. But now, in the past ten years, we we believe that it's a beautiful thing that we should all celebrate. Like that change is only ten years old. So if you're an atheist and re- you really believe that morality works like that, like it can, can constantly update. Okay, that's a separate discussion, and there are separate arguments that you can make against that but if you're a christian you don't believe in that right if you're a christian you don't believe that values are just constantly updating you believe in a tradition you believe in you know the morality of prior christians whether it's like the early church fathers or whether it's like the the papal tradition or the catholic church or the orthodox church you believe in a tradition so you can't just make judgments on the basis of your cultural milieu like your cultural context and 
sensibilities that have only come onto the scene now within the past 10 years or 50 years or 100 years. You have to look at the entire history. You have to look at the entire tradition and you have to stand by that to a certain extent and defend it. Because if you start saying that, no, this is something so immoral and so wrong, this kind of practice of minor marriage, then you're basically saying that your entire uh, history is full of pedophiles. <laughs> your entire religion is a, is a religion of pe uh, you know, pedophiles because they were practicing this. So an atheist, like atheists are fine with throwing the entire past, like all of this history under the bus. Mm -hmm. They're fine with that. That has its own like problems and irrationality. Uh, but Christians, how can you make that kind of argument? It's so it's completely self-defeating. But they just don't want to admit it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a joke, basically. Like these kinds of Christian apologetics is just a joke, like one joke after another. It's and uh, I've de debated Christians before, and um, like David Wood was probably the biggest apologist that I debated, and you just can't keep up with the contradictions that they spew. Yeah, and uh, just mm. for everyone's reference here, you can find the debate between Daniel Hakikichu and David Wood online. You can find debates between him and many other people, whether they be Christians or atheists or liberal secularists, whatever it might be. You can find them online. You can also find, just this is for like Young Don, you can find Sheikh Uthman versus someone you went to watch after discussing Sheikh Uthman, David Wood. You can find that debate or those debates online as well. You can find many Muslims discussing with even even Muhammad hijab clowning yeah, David Wood yeah many Muslims Shabir Ali many many uh, Muslims debating all three of the people you you mentioned Apus David Wood Nabil Qureshi Shabir Ali debated Nabil Qureshi uh, he passed away so like there's no recent debates but you know before he passed away you see the debates there you see David Wood uh, debated by Muhammad hijab Dan Hakikishu Sheikh Uthman I believe Dan Hakikishu also Dan debated against did you debate against Apus or was he too scared to do that yeah, so that happened. Yeah, I did it. yeah he started calling me like yeah, Pikachu was, and that, that stuff. Funny, bro. <laughs> my man had a whole mental breakdown in the thing with Daniel Hakikachu. Yeah, and um, if if you think these people are good to listen to, okay, go watch the debates. Go watch the debates. Do a live reaction, actually. Do a live reaction because I know you won't react to this live, uh, and then yeah. see if you you know can defend whatever they're saying then when they're in front of a Muslim. Okay, so one thing. One thing Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Real quick, just a note about Shabir Ali, because a lot of Muslims will follow his debates, mm -hmm. but actually he has like a lot of messed up views, like Islamically. So I would like be careful. Just watch it. You can watch his debate if you want. I mean, other people have debated just as good or better than him against Christians, mm -hmm. but just know in the back of your mind that he's like definitely not a Orthodox Muslim. Like he has all kinds of deviant views. Yeah. Are you talking about like like recent Shabir Ali or like decade two ago Shabir Ali? Because I think I feel like those are two different beliefs. Well, he's still he's still debating now. Like he just had a de debate with David Wood a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I think. Wow, I was not talking about that. I was talking about the the one against I think him and Nabil Qureshi like years ago on the Trinity versus Tawhid. I think that's what it was. But um, mm -hmm. I I am aware of, of of what you're talking about. Some of his um his his views. I don't. Uh, and yo, one one thing I wanted to say too yeah. is in Christianity, there's a belief that priests cannot have intercourse. Daniel, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, within the Catholic Church. Yeah, within the Catholic Church, a lot of them they talk about how they're married to God. A lot of the the nuns too, and they can't have intimacy. So it's self-imposed celibacy. 
but the result of the self-imposed celibacy this this alone should prove it's not from god rami you can pull up the link that i i sent you yeah, I'm gonna but it. this alone can prove that it's not from god because if allah created us he understands us he understands our nature he understands that we as men and women have needs very primal needs and imposing celibacy is going to do more harm than good now in islam we restrict that to our wives and permissible outlets and for women their husbands but if you look at this just just pull it up bro it's it's disgusting here it's on the screen now ask me to log in but i won't yeah <laughs> if, if you could read it just that's blessed all right um so the the title says french catholic church personnel sexually abused 300 and 30,000 minors probe fines. This is the Wall Street Journal, which I don't have a subscription to, so I can only read the title. Yeah, I think that um, there's definitely an issue there with, with celibacy and whether that breeds hypocrisy um, because it's like such a unnatural thing mm -hmm. um, to require celibacy. Um, so... I think a lot of Christian groups, though, will criticize Catholicism for that. Um, so it's not universal across Christianity. Uh, we just have to note that to be fair. And I also don't want to, like, it's obviously appalling, like the amount of child abuse within the Catholic Church. Um, you'll also find it in other religions. And you'll also find it in secular institutions. Um, so if we, if we look at the rates of child abuse and molestation when it comes to um, like just public schools, um, it's more than the Catholic Church. Uh, I think it's comparable in terms of like the total amount is is greater, but the actual rate, you know, per capita or, or whatever is is equal or, or more maybe. So I don't have the stats off the top of my head, but I mean, because I don't want, I think that we can criticize Christianity for a lot of things and we want to be like principled about it, but we also have to recognize that um, the secular system and liberalism is attacking all religions, um, is attacking and is basically trying to stamp out religion. And that, again, I'm not trying to defend the Catholic church, uh, but we have to kind of recognize that there is an attempt to subvert the Catholic tradition and um, Orthodox Christianity. And those same forces are used and those same kind of arguments are used against Muslims. So is it the case that, you know, some Muslim somewhere has committed a crime like against a child? Yeah, of course, that's that has happened. Is that a reason to, you know, destroy or to undermine our mosques, our masajid, or our Islamic schools, or, you know, different kinds of institutions where we teach children. That's what they're trying to do. That's what these liberals are trying to do with madrasas, with mosques, masajid, Islamic schools. They want to kind of point this finger and say that, oh, look, someone got abused. That means the whole thing is corrupt. That means the whole thing has to be shut down. And you have to send your kids to the secular schooling, the secular institution, the secular daycare. But they, you know, downplay or hide the fact that at these secular institutions, at these daycare centers, let's talk about abuse and molestation in these secular institutions. 
and public schools every other day like you can find like some kind of incident in the local news happening where a teacher molested a child it's not it's not even it's not, it's not something rare so like we should just be like very fair and even-handed not to defend like the catholic church or like the cover-up of abuse because that's also a factor like they've they've covered up a lot of this these yeah. molestation cases or they've like transferred different priests uh to different locations instead of holding them accountable for their abuse um but you know let's also keep in mind the broader factors so that we have like a more nuanced critique of like what's happening mm. no that was well said alhamdulillah okay. and brother daniel is there anything else that you want to get out before we wrap up the stream yeah sure uh thanks so much for having me on it's like a pleasure i hope i didn't like talk too much uh, no, no no it was perfect it was it was good it was necessary and may allah bless you anyone that made it this far smash the like button head over to the muslim skeptic one more time it's the muslim skeptic three words that's brother daniel hakikachu's channel and all the links are going to be in the description anyway rami anything you want to say wait one thing i want to say sorry rami go for it uh i think that like i think that there's a benefit to someone like young don becoming more religious becoming like christian and even attacking islam there i know it's it's bad uh it's bottle it's like real nonsense that he's spewing but there is a silver lining like there is a positive what is that the positive is that muslims also step up their game and more muslims are like you know interested in studying like these details about the quran compared to the bible about looking at theology looking at aqidah basically stepping up our game that's like a huge benefit and it's much better than like young don being like just this musician and making youtube videos and like promoting a, a secularism purely and muslims following that and, and being fans of that instead muslims are now like uh you know stepping up their game becoming more religious like so that's actually something that people experience muslims experience like oh you want to insult islam well i'm gonna be even a better muslim <laughs> i'm gonna pray more i'm going to you know do more sunnah i'm going to do read more quran and there's that this kind of uh himma that muslims have as a reaction so i think it's <clears throat> overall like it might seem contradictory but i want to it would be great. I'd much rather see more musicians, more like uh, YouTubers and entertainers become religious Christians. <laughs> that is going to help. Like that, I think, has a positive impact on Muslims uh, to react. And especially when this this young Don, he's not like spreading this message. Oh, everyone's the same. All religions are the same. We need to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. It's actually better that he's attacking Islam and he's saying, you know, he's saying this nonsense. So that's maybe that's like my my perspective, but that's how I feel. Yeah. And I mean, you, you actually find this a lot whenever there's like some kind of an attack or, or any big news that has to do with Islam, even if it's in a negative light, you find a lot of people look into it afterwards. Like um, after the uh, event in, uh, I think it was 2001, I won't say what it is, but it has one number slash another number. I'm not trying to get deplatformed right now. Uh, you know, in Minecraft, that's where it happened. A lot of people looked into Islam <laughs> afterwards. I got the one from Sneeko. A lot of people looked into Islam afterwards. You find a lot of people actually became Muslim after looking to Islam afterwards. Um, so I think this, inshallah, has and will benefit literally thousands of people. Alhamdulillah, we've consistently had 
uh, close or over to 2000 viewers actively. So I think this has been amazing. One last super chat I'm going to read before we end the stream. When Westerners uh, vacations to their countries is well documented. Uh, they um, use little girls and boys all the time. Uh, all the vacation destinations have receipts. Uh, it's actually very true. And, uh, unfortunately, we won't talk about it too much. Um, we'll save it for another time, inshallah. But with that being said, Jazakallah khair, brother Daniel. It's always nice having you. Everyone check out our episode. I think we had two actually done with brother Daniel uh, in the early conception of our channel, actually. So he was an OG uh, from the beginning. So, man, Bro, that was like a year ago. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time ago. <laughs> so everyone check mm -hmm, those out. Mm -hmm. Subscribe to Daniel, the Muslim skeptic. And um, check out his website, themuslimskeptic.com, correct? Yep, muslimskeptic.com. Muslimskeptic.com. Bro, listen, super important thing to piggyback off of what Brother Daniel said. This video is not just intended to take non-Muslims out of ignorance, but to empower Muslims too. And to give them knowledge, to give them uh, a lens that they might not have seen or studied yet. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's absolutely imperative that anyone that made it this far, please share the video. Wallahi, not for us to get more subs or, or this video to get anything else. But if everyone can share it to five people, just imagine how much reach it can have. How many Muslims can be empowered and how many non-Muslims can slip out of ignorance. That's it. Share this video, like, and at the end of the day, links in the description. Watch The Muslim Skeptic. Watch One Message Foundation. We're all trying to do the same thing. And at the end of the day, we just want you guys to come to the truth. That's it. 100%. So, Jazakallah khair, Daniel. May Allah bless you. Inshallah, hopefully we can do this again soon. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. All right. So, we're about to end this off. Thank you all very much for the super chats. I apologize. I could not read all of them, but we do sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. May Allah bless you all. And you guys help the channel. Uh, keep going. Keep running. And uh, inshallah, as we grow, um, honestly... Donating is one thing, but spreading the video and spreading our channel is, is a whole other thing. We can, inshallah, get bigger and better um, uh, guests on here, inshallah, to help spread the truth of Islam. Bigger platform, bigger guests, and not just Muslims, non-Muslims as well, so we can have more of these discussions about Islam with people who are sincere. Inshallah, we'll be doing Sneako Part 2 eventually. And uh, again, thank you all for the Super Chats. May Allah bless you all. Bye, bro. And guys, listen, Super Chats help out. They help us tremendously. YouTube doesn't pay us as much as you guys think. Helps us continue our work. But liking, sharing, commenting, that helps us more than you guys think. And if you can't do that, just make dua for us. Insujud, please keep us in your duas. Make dua that we keep spreading the deen of Allah, not making mistakes, staying steadfast, gaining knowledge ourselves. And inshallah, look forward to, in a week from now on Saturday, seven days from now, you will see an episode with sister muslim brooklyn who is an american revert who literally grew up in the midwest and accepted islam in a small town i believe she said there was not more than 900 people yeah. and it was a wonderful story so stay tuned for that inshallah and with that being said i think it's safe to end it off here allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adhab al-nar assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh